Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. We've got another linebacker pairing for today's episode. Another Iowa linebacker, Justin Jacobs, and we're going to be evaluating him alongside DeMarvin Overshone from Texas. This is a really funky grouping because, Ryan, at least I can say that the previous four guys have some some hype around them, have some uh, some nice plays around them that justify the hype. And, and we were talking about, separate from my opinions on Noah Sewell, the mm-hmm. general average of opinions indicated that all the four guys before were day two and up around these right. guys uh, i don't know about that and and we, we kind of have some projection with both of these guys for very different reasons one is because one guy doesn't know how to play football and two is because the other guy just wasn't on the field a lot yeah, it's 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 a very funky pairing. It's after the top four guys, it was just kind of fi- trying to find traits a little bit. And Demarvin Overshone is a guy that we'll get a little more into the backgrounds, but he almost did declare for the twenty twenty two NFL drafts, but he decided to come back. Had a decent spring grade from the NFL, uh, not too shabby on his part. And then Justin Jacobs is a guy that I've seen. I Joe, I don't know if you've seen, even though he's listed as a junior on the roster. He's being talked about, I think, by both Jim Nagy and Eric Galco so far. So he is firmly on the NFL radar as well. So two very good athletes. But like mm. you said, there's a lot to unpack with their backgrounds and their evaluations right now. A lot to unpack. Yeah, this is going to be a really heavy projection show, as I as I indicated. Again, for very different reasons, but there is going to be a lot of, well, maybe if he does this, then we can we can buy into him that that kind of a deal. And I hopefully there isn't too much of that. <laughs> yes, but it's I mean, there's going to be a lot of it. <laughs> if we're being completely honest, I know we we don't want that to be the case, but there's things that need to happen for these both these players to hit. Yes. And yeah, we'll we'll get into a little bit of the backgrounds, but it's uh it's interesting and very long, and they're actually kind of similar-ish body types. But yeah, we'll we'll get into all that, obviously. We will get into it. As you said, before we do, I just want to tell our listeners about Bet Online. Baseball's finally back after the All-Star break, and I can actually bet on some games and, and not get agitated having to look around at random B-League soccer games and, and things that I just am not interested in betting on. Baseball is finally returning, and if you were like me and you have the itch to bet on Baseball games, find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today 
to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus. Get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. By the way, I listened to the Believe in FCS football podcast. Ah. You threw a little shade at me about some <laughs> ad reads. <laughs> Ryan, that one. Ryan, you clearly don't listen to the FCS show enough because I throw shade at you yes. every episode. Well, I know, I know that. <laughs> I know that. Just the fact that you were doing your bet online ad read reminded me that you threw shade that I wouldn't be able to do a bet online ad read. And I'm just like, you, oh, okay. well, you don't bet. You, you do bet sometimes. I bet when I feel like it. You bet right? on the draft. I, you bet on. The I draft. do bet on the draft every single year. I, I've actually, I actually have placed a couple bets. Sort of recently, Joe. So you're not the only oh. you're not the only gambler on this show. You're just a more frequent <laughs> frequent gambler. As well. I, I will say it's probably a good thing because you're the one you know with a wife and a kid and a, kid. And a family yeah. and yeah yeah betting and going down that rabbit hole is not good. I'm not like betting debilitating amounts. I bet like small little chunks. Like I, it's like yeah. ten. $20 every time, but see some of my friends and my, uh, some parts of my family, mostly on my wife's side, they're big into like casinos and stuff. And we actually just went to a casino last weekend. That's not my thing, man. I'm more like a sports betting guy than like playing right. slots or cards or whatever. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I think what makes it entertaining and I kind of joke about like, Oh, I'm, I, I said on the previous episode, my addiction and I'm, I, it, again, it's not debilitating. I, I, if you do the research, and it, and you pay attention to trends and understanding what tends to hit. It's really fun. If you're just going off of aimless guessing, yeah, you're going to get frustrated. You're only going to hit 30% of your picks. But if it requires a little thought, and I think some people don't realize that. <laughs> yes, yes. It's um because one of my one of my good friends, he's like a legitimate better. <laughs> like he's you know, I think we all have that day. one friend who, who makes yes. like a couple thousand a day from doing and, it. And I was I, I was I was very impressed, Joe, that you said you had hit like 67% or whatever it was during the last month, yeah. I think is what you said. Yeah. The, the whole month of July was when I started actually betting on baseball, and I've I've been 67%, and then I've been 10 of my last 13. Oscar game well, completely blew me up, though, because I bet on sure both those bets did not hit. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I know it's, 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 it's especially difficult sometimes, too, right? Because obviously that's like a small sample size, you're 67%, but I mean, yeah. there's people that... I think like high fifties is like a good mark, right? If like for a they, larger span of time, like fifty eight percent. I think they say over fifty five is, is good. What you're supposed to hit in order to like be considered profitable, to be considered gotcha. beating the book is is if you're right. over fifty five percent. So, uh, yeah, I, my NFL picks weren't great. My college, I didn't bet on any college football picks, but um, I, my picks were pretty good. So I'm interested to see how how things go in the in the college football season but yeah i'm excited about college football i'm excited about college football oh i i definitely am and watching film is my way of of calming that excitement but let's talk about these guys right to, to marvin yep. Overshum, uh this is going to be the most aggressive take that i think i've i've had out of oh, any no. player okay he is the worst coach football player out of any player that i've watched <laughs> this entire cycle i for a couple of reasons Amazing athlete, super, super fast, very undersized, sure. very, very light, not in terms of his stature and his length, but very, very light for uh, a linebacker that plays in the box as much as he does. But yeah. I, I see a guy who is extremely inconsistent with his tackling. Sometimes he mm -hmm. lights people up. Sometimes he completely whiffs and has one of the softest hits that you can see from a linebacker. 
sometimes uh, or his instincts are very very shoddy. His zone coverage skills. Right, right, that's my point. Well, sometimes you'll read a play and you're like, "Wow, that was a really nice." Play. And then it's yeah. just like, where where are we going? <laughs> he's 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 what we call a guesser as a diagnostic yes. players. Yes, he is. Yep, he is a guesser, and his zone coverage skills are very concerning. There are a couple times I watched him where he dropped into somebody else's zone and ran into guys that were on his own team, which is really weird. Yeah, I my final roundout point here with him, Ryan. Yep, I. I the reason, the biggest reason why I think he is really poorly coached is I don't think he's a linebacker. I don't know why he was put at linebacker. He is clearly it's clearly too much for him. He can navigate traffic, and the instincts are too poor for him to be playing in the box. He it is way too much for him, and he, he clearly can't handle it. So the background on him, real quick, is Arp Texas, Texas kid goes to the University of Texas. He was in a crazy safety recruiting class at the time, Joe. So it was Caden Stearns, who's mm-hmm. now in the NFL. It was BJ Foster, who was actually the highest recruited safety out of the bunch that is at like Jackson State now, I think. And DeMarvin Overshone was kind of the third guy, even though he was a high four star caliber player. So as you can tell by that, is you have three high resumes. He went to Sam players. Houston, by the way. Sorry, Sam I'm gonna cut you off. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. My, that's my apologies. It was a um, – so he's, at least he's in a good situation. Sam Houston's yeah. been a good team, obviously, over the last couple of years. But Because um, B.J. Foster is really talented, but it just it never clicked at Texas for whatever reason. So you had three safeties, all three highly recruited guys. So naturally you're just kind of like, how do they all fit? And for a couple of years you're like, I don't actually know how they all fit. Like we're going to do some three safety sets, and B.J. Foster played a little bit of nickel. But eventually – they decide that the Marvin Overshone is going to be their will linebacker in their two linebacker alignment. Like that's going to be the situation. I agree. I think that what would have been much more advantageous to his skill set because he is pretty long, six two and uh, six two and five ace is the official of him from the spring, two twenty two. So he gained a little bit oh, of weight since last season. He's heavier. That's good. Yeah, because he was only like two seventeen or so last Barely. season. So he, his playing weight yes. was probably two ten. Uh, you're, you might not be wrong, man. He was a skinny player last year, but he's got near 33-inch arms, 78-plus-inch wingspan. Length is good for the position, no doubt. So those traits, you're just kind of looking at him. You're like, he's a long, athletic kid, obviously, former safety. He can move. What would have been more advantageous to him, in my opinion, is if he was a big nickel. Like, every team runs a 4-2-5 now, it seems. Let's put it rover, right? Like, half safety, half linebacker. Let him work from depth, and let's make a lot of plays. Run in the alley. Like I think that that would have been advantageous. They throw him in the will the last two years, and he's been pretty productive because he's athletic as heck. Yeah. But it's also that Texas hasn't been very good, so someone has to make some type of play, right? Some type of impact, and he's a guesser. When he guesses right, he can make a big play, he can make a tackle for loss. He can make a play. He's hopping dudes. He's blowing yes. dudes up when he when he guesses right. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Just the issue is that his eyes stink. Like, I mean, I'm just going to be very honest about it. He has bad eyes. He, That's why he's guessing, because he doesn't trust what he sees. And, Joe, I don't I don't have P, the PFF stats or whatever, but I have to think his missed tackle percentage is very high. Like, man, he, I feel like he missed so many tackles yes. on film. For a guy that is this athletic and has plus length, he should not be missing a ton of tackles. So 
He's a guy that needs to add weight if he's going to be a full-time linebacker at the next level, but I tend to think that someone is going to draft him on day three for the sub-package use of him, right? Like he's going to be a guy that's going to work in a little more space than he does right now. Even though, to your point, he's got kind of like the Christian Harris thing a little bit in the fact that like his zone instincts are not great right now, man. Like mm. I think that he can play some man. Like if you put him against a tight end yes. or a big slot and just tell him like departmentalize, he's yours man to man. I think he can do some things because he's got length and he's got athleticism. He's got good movement skills. Cool. But when he's left just navigating space and seeing things develop, just not a good football player right now. He just really is not, but great, great aesthetic. Number zero, He's got like a million arm bands, <laughs> leg bands. Looks great, man. Looks so great. I, I made a note of that. Uh, he's got too many armbands. If you're going to wear that many armbands, you got to be a dude, man. You got to be like the best player on the field, and I don't think that he was. How many How many does he have? I see a picture of him right here. Bruh, he's, have his... he, he had to have been wearing at <sighs> least seven or eight in arm, at least – I, I need, but if I need you're to gonna do this. that, you you gotta be like smacking dudes. Like you gotta be like just making plays all over the field and like at the line of scrimmage. And I feel like his plays, separate from when he guesses correctly, like he's a pursuit player. And I think the sub package yeah. thing is a really good point. Part of me wonders, and this just doesn't happen anymore because it's the reverse. Teams draft guys to move them from safety to linebacker these days. And I just I know a team's not going to draft a linebacker to move him to strong safety. But part of me wonders if that like he can provide value doing that. Like I, I think he can play yeah. on the outside of the box. And like you're talking about, he actually looked pretty good in man coverage. Like I, there were a couple times sure. that he he had to track guys and follow guys. He stays yeah. with them. He's fast. You don't have to ask him to do a whole lot because he's got the length and the and the speed to 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 go with it. But the zone coverage stuff is scary. Like I I couldn't. I obviously wouldn't put him at free safety because if you ask him to play over the top, he's going to leave so many corners out the dry. But uh, maybe he's playing in the box. Maybe he's doing some some light zone coverage. I, I think he's much better off doing that. This is going to be a departmentalized player early on in his career. Big nickel, let him play on special teams and see how the rest of his game develops. And, Joe, I just counted. He has one, two, three, four, five on one arm, five on the other. So he's got ten arm bands, uh, and, he's got, and he's got three on each leg. So – my man is rocking yeah. 16 bands on him, which is wild, wild, it's, wild aesthetic. It's uh, a tally mark for every single missed tackle that he averages per game. <laughs> 16. Could you imagine if someone actually missed 60 tackles uh, a game? He's getting Gosh. close. The last point with him before we kind of give our round projection. Yep. So, like, you see him make these really big blow-up plays. Like, he, he'll, like, he'll fly downhill, he guesses right, and then he's just popping dudes, like, when he's in position. But then there's, there was this one play that I was just like, what the hell is he doing? He runs in on Caleb Williams, has a free shot on Caleb Williams, goes flying in, and instead of blowing him up like he can and really disrupting a play, he runs in and just hugs his leg and then lays there. And then Caleb Williams complete. I think he completed a pass or he got the throw off. But it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen from a linebacker. And that's when I wrote my notes. This is not a linebacker. This is a, he is a safety. He is not a linebacker. Uh, it's fair, man. It's fair. It's uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he was. I I wish I I wish he was a part of a better team. Like I I think like Sark's going to do a better job, but. 
feel like he was not very well developed, <sighs> to be honest with you. Like, what if he was mean, at Alabama? Like, how good do you think he could have been if he was at what Alabama? What position would he play at Alabama? Is my do I think I feel like he could have been playing that Xavier McKinney role. Think so? You think he's that natural in in coverage that he? You think he could do it? I'm, I'm uh, actually, that's asking, a good that's a good that's a good point because Xavier McKinney was really freaking smart. Um, yes. Well, the, the problem is, is we don't know how smart Demarvin Overshone could have been if he was properly developed and coached. Like this looks like a guy who just was not getting corrected on his mistakes. Like I'm not blaming right. him. I'm blaming the previous regime that he was recruited into. Like that was that. That's, that's who screwed him over, not himself. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I mean, again, I feel bad for him for the that, that simple fact. I'll say this though. I think the NFL is going to be a little higher on him than the media is, to be honest with you, just based upon some feedback that we've just seen so far. So I, I, so for me, Joe, I don't know if you agree with this, but I right now would not touch this kid until about the fifth rounds. I I would definitely draft him. Yeah. Because I think that in a league that is using so much more sub package, he is a guy that can play. And I do think his special teams value is tremendous. So Day three pick, absolutely. I'm I'm fine with spending that day three pick on him. It's just I have a feeling that the NFL is going to draft this kid in the third or fourth rounds, and you're just going to kind of be like, he's going to be kind of forced into a role earlier than he should probably be, in my opinion. But there are athletic traits to work with. There's height weights. Well, not weight. <laughs> There's height and speed and length <laughs> to his game. And there are moments where you see extreme physicality when he's able to see the game correctly. It's just a work in progress from an eye discipline perspective with DeMarvin overshone. I am in an agreement with you. Uh, I am going to be sorely disappointed if he is drafted in the third, third round or somewhere in that range. Not because I don't think he's deserving of it, but I think when you draft a guy that high, there is an expectation for a player like that to get onto the field much sooner. And I I think if he's with a well-coached defense that likes fast athletic guys, he could develop into something really, really, really quality high end, like one of the better sub package linebackers in the NFL. He's got the traits. Like you could turn him into a a top 10 sub package linebacker. Like, I don't think that's a stretch to say. Could, could this, uh, you know, who's a player that I think some people are going to compare him to? I'm not saying he's going to be this guy, but Corey Littleton's been a guy that uh, I like that has bounced about around a couple years, but he did find a pretty good niche on, on a part of when he was part of the Rams team, right? And he's yeah. a guy that was also like 6'3, 222. Like he was not the biggest guy in the world, but the Rams didn't really ask him to be a true downhill run stopper like he was working in pursuit he was doing good things in pass coverage and he was using it he kind of untapped his athleticism so i feel like if he falls into the right situation it could be very advantageous to his skill set but demarvin overshone is especially this week he's one of the more important players to find that right fit in my opinion like you can't just not any team just can't draft this kid like he needs Mm -hmm. to be with a team that has a legitimate plan it has a specific time on the second level like that that's very important i think for overshown and i i would also argue somebody with a history of developing linebackers like that's that's something that's going to to go into it as well but i, I agree i think 
fifth, sixth round for a player like Overshown, probably not going to make my top five players uh, at the position group. But uh, Jesse Jacobs, though, on the other hand, Ryan, uh-huh. not a lot of playing time from him last year. Uh, we were talking about beforehand how Dane Bolton was uh, a Belton. primary Belton. contributor. Belton, 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 primary contributor. And I should know this because he's a giant now. A primary <laughs> contributor at, at safety was playing in this role. But uh, I think just Jacobs ha- is a fun projection and stepping into a bigger role, which he probably will this year, could significantly rise his draft stock because the one thing they asked him to do was a lot of coverage, a lot of passing downs, and he looked pretty good in those situations because of his athleticism, his, his hip fluidity, kind of moved like a like a heavy safety. Like the, the way that he was yeah. able to move for his size profile at 238 was exciting to see. Yeah, now he's a really good athlete. Obviously, he's out of Englewood, Ohio, Northmont High School. So he came in 2019, redshirted, played a bunch as a weak side linebacker in 2020. And then now, Joe, he's playing a position, which I just looked it up. So on film, he's playing Sam linebacker. That's basically Mm -hmm. what it is, right? It's like a Sam Rover position. So it would either be him on the field, or to your point, it would be Dane Belton that comes in for him as a more of the nickel slot type of player. So he's basically playing as a big nickel or a Sam, a display Sam linebacker in the system. But I've seen him out on number two receiver, man to man. I have seen him working on the line of scrimmage as a you know in like under fronts as a Sam backer. Not as much as a true stacked player. You don't see him as a traditional – because, I mean, the most of the teams I, – I, I watched the Indiana game, for instance, and uh, what was the last game I watched? I'm trying to remember. Was it Penn State? It might have been Penn State, where those, both those teams are spread offenses, right? So, like, you're mm-hmm. not working against a ton of tight ends all the time when you're in that team. So, they're really trying to spread the field. So, he's kind of getting taken out of the box a little bit. So, that position in their defense is called the cash linebacker which is ah. pretty funny. But to your point, 6'4", 238, looks like a million bucks, very athletic, has good length. He is Trenton Simpson-ish as an athlete, right? Like he's not as good an athlete as Trenton Simpson, but they're similar because they both have that crazy length. They both are flexible, fluid athletes. He has some really nice reps in man-to-man coverage working against tight ends, like really good reps. So the issue with him, though, is is the same thing. You mentioned it. He doesn't play a ton because he's already he's a play in a position that just isn't incredibly translatable. If you listen back to our show where I talked about Trenton Simpson, it's no knock against Trenton Simpson, and this is not really a knock against against Justin Jacobs either. It's just that position in the NFL teams. I think there was one team last year that played base defense more than fifty percent of the time, right? So you're in a league that value sub package. So what are they doing to those Sam linebackers? Taking them off the field. You have a mic. bringing on into Marvin Overshown. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Either they're bringing on an Overshown-ish type of player, which is a big nickel, or they're bringing on a true nickel, which is a Dane Belton, or think of your Kenny Moores of the world, right? Like that's the players that are on the field now in that situation. So Sam linebackers, Justin Jacobs can play it when you're a big nickel. But the problem is, is when you're not in, in nickel, when you're not in a big nickel, which doesn't happen too often, where is he playing? He's going to have to be a wool linebacker. And I just haven't seen almost, I haven't seen almost any true reps of him reading blocks in front of him, diagnosing, 
and working off of his trigger to make a play in the at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield. Like I just haven't seen it. Is he an impressive athlete? For sure. Can he play man to man coverage? Yes, I think so. Does he have some physicality to him? Yes. Mm. But it's just this is a pure projection off of traits. I like him more than DeMarvin Overshown because I see more instincts and the same level of athlete, maybe even better. But the issue I have is still what spot is he going to play? And that spot that you think he's going to play, he's also hasn't probably ever done that before, right? Or done that much. So it, it's a weird projection in that way. I will say the few instances where he was in the box and I saw him actually track a play down and he was the, you know, the, the lead linebacker on the play in the direction it was going. Not a lot of instances of it actually happening, but the one t- there was one play that sticks in my mind where he navigates through traffic, he he works his way down the line of scrimmage, and he makes the play at the line of scrimmage. Like I, I, I know that he has it in him, but we can't properly project that because he just doesn't do it that often. I honestly would be really disappointed if his usage is purely as a will linebacker. I, I think you're losing out on that opportunity for those zone coverage capabilities and those man coverage capabilities. Like I, 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 he's a really freaking good coverage linebacker. Like I think that that he could provide so much value. I I think, I don't know if this is a one for one comp, but I think there's parts of it. Like he kind of reminds me of Tay Crowder when he was coming out. Cause like this is what Tay Crowder was doing at, at Georgia was coming onto the field and being a really, really good pass coverage guy. And he was inconsistently on the field and wasn't on the field super often but mm-hmm. when he was he was erasing guys in coverage he was that type of a player so this is my opinion i agree with you i would not just sell him in as a wool linebacker and just say like that's your position i would use him all over the place i would use him as a big sam when you're in big nickel and or just in a base defense or i would use him as a will li- the problem is joe is when you're not in if he's a starting caliber player and you're not in base he has to play somewhere Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're like when you have a nickel in the game, a true nickel, where is he going to play? And that's where the will linebacker conversation comes into. It's funny though, because like he has a frame where he's 6'4, 238 right now. He could be 245, 250. Like he can. He's, yeah. He's I think so. Nice frame. Yeah. Without sacrificing much athleticism. So my next question would if he has enough physicality, could he be a Mike linebacker down the line? I don't know the answer to that question. That's just a thought I have because he has the frame to potentially do it. Like the Marvin Overstone has no shot to ever be that player. But Justin Jacobs maybe could be, because I do see some physicality, and I do see the frame to potentially grow into that, personally. What are your thoughts on the uh, the Tay Crowder comp? I hate it. Oh. Okay. Where are we? He kind of has a similar build, too. He's got a similar build. I yeah, know he's better. He's a better athlete than, than, than Crowder, but I think That's just fine. like stylistically nah, build. From, from, I, I was just messing with you from a usage perspective. I get it. I get it. He was because okay. he was. I mean, they play, he played with. Um, Nicobe Dean wasn't really a guy, right? For well, he was a guy, but Crowder played with somebody else too. That was that like, Roquan Roquan Smith. Yeah, he played with Roquan yeah. Smith, who was more of that true Mike. And then Tay was kind of like, yeah, we're just going to use your space implications and let you run type of thing. So yeah, right. I get that. It makes sense. Where where are we taking Justin Jacobs? <sighs> This is if the I'm hard, hardest projection. <laughs> if 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 Je- if Justin Jacobs is just what he showed on film right now, and I don't have a true understanding of where he can play on base, then he's in a similar bucket as Overshown. I would take him a little bit earlier than Overshown, so maybe 
late four to fifth round, somewhere in that ballpark. But if he shows me that he can play Will and play it effectively and play it well with the traits he has, then I could talk myself into a third-round type of player. I could talk myself because I think he has that type of athleticism. It's just that everything is a extreme projection right now. The, this this episode isn't as exciting because I think we're agreeing a lot. Uh, I, I think people like it when we disagree like we did on the last episode. But that, I, yes, I, I think third round roughly – from, from, I, I think that those the traits are, are are really really fun, and I think a team that that values those things and I I just I need to see what his freaking role is this year. Like I need to see more of him. Like that's what's what's bugging the crap out of me. And I'm kind of being hopeful yeah. when I say third round, assuming that he is used more and he's used differently. Let me ask you a question to before we wrap up here. So okay. we watched Jack Campbell, who is the Mike linebacker from Iowa. So correct. if I told you Jack Campbell is what he is on the next level, and he's that true Mike type, right? And I told you that in the same universe, Justin Jacobs is a a solid to good level will that also has the implications to move around and play Sam and do the versatility stuff. Mm-hmm. Who's a more valuable football player in today's game? Justin Jacobs. Because he's think so. Dead. Think so. Because if he shows you can play well, that means you can use him as your will linebacker. You can move him to s- move him around when you bring in those sub packages. You don't have to take him off the field. Jack Campbell is somebody who some teams might say we have to take him off the field when we bring our sub packages in. Like we can't trust him because he's a little clunky. I, I guess where my where my question was deriving from is if Jack Campbell is a good to very good starting Mike linebacker in the NFL that maybe does have some limitations as far as obvious passing situations. Is that less valuable than Justin Jacobs? Who's just a solid to good player at his difference in the modern, in the modern, modern NFL. Yeah, I think it is because having not having to waste roster spots on different guys to bring in different, different sub packages, I think is immensely important. It's fair. That's fair. That was genuinely a question, so appreciate it. Okay. All I know uh, is Iowa's got some freaks at linebacker, man. I know. It's like, six. where the hell did these guys come from? They're used to these like big, hulking guys that can barely move at Iowa. 6'4 plus Jack Campbell, 6'4 and 3 A's, 248s. And then you got Justin Jacobs, who's the 6'4, 238 freak of an athlete. And then you and then the Benson kid's a solid player, too. Like he's not a yeah. bad little football player. He's 44, player, right? Like, yeah, he's 44. Yep. I don't know if I call him a little football player. He seems pretty big. I don't think he's that big. I think he's uh, much smaller than those two. Here, I'm gonna look it up. Seth Benson, Iowa. <laughs> Let's see. He played linebacker, six foot two thirty two. So he's a little smaller. Oh, uh, he's. Uh, I didn't realize he's that short. Um, Come on, man. Come on, get your eyes, pretty. All right, I think that's a good note to wrap us up on. At Joe Delio and at Rising Draft at NFL. Prospects also, can Pod. I can I say this? Can I say this before you, before you finish your intro? What? Justin Jacobs has a tight end would be outro. As a tight end, yeah, I think that yeah. would that's a good point. That would be fun. Very, very random point. ADD Radio, uh, <laughs> Hack City on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll talk to you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 